1: this is the Joe and Amber podcast. Not all heroes wear capes. That's what I have to say about that little audio you just listened to. Courtney Cronin, Joe Fortenball, Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. My last radio show in this time slot before moving to noon to 3 p.m. on Tuesday with Chris Carlin. I'm not going to be able to get to do the old switch switchola. Courtney, I don't think you ever saw it. The coming off the daily wager set running down the hallway being ready to go and spit fire takes from the start of Joe and Amber on ESPN radio
2: So what was the undoing of TV Joe process like just like putting on a t-shirt putting on comfy stuff because I would assume that you're not like wiping off TV makeup you're a no. guy you don't have to wear a whole ton of it
1: uh, I sadly I, I think I wear um, quite a bit I think I wear quite quite a bit more makeup than I would prefer in my advanced age these days. The process would be running down the hall. It would be get the jacket off and then get off like the IFB pack and the battery pack for the mic, like all that. Then pull out the earpiece because that was my own. So I didn't want that getting mixed in with the work gear and then basically just sit down. I I did a really good job of making it seem like it was a lot of work. It wasn't. The the, the trek from Studio One to Studio Two, 30 feet, I don't know, 35 feet. It really wasn't much. I had enough time. But was, I did a real good job milking
0: it. It was like watching uh Clark Kent turn into Superman.
2: That's okay. <laughs> so now so now since you're going no. twelve to three, are you gonna but you're going straight into daily wager after that? It's the reverse, right?
1: Uh yeah, it'll be the reverse. I've thought about just showing up for twelve to three in the suit. I don't yeah. want to make Carlin look bad. I'm already gonna be making him look bad on so many different levels so frequently throughout the course of that fine program. I don't want to show up looking good as well and, and then cause that issue. But now that I think about it, I'm talking myself into it yeah, I'm gonna go three piece for that that show as well I'm gonna set the set the tempo early with him. The, the show is early.
2: fittingly called. Carlin versus Fortinbaugh, yes? Correct. So it's it sounds like you're already trying to size him up and live up to your show name where you are doing something to get a reaction out of him for him Correct. to then do something back to you. And it's this ping pong effect back and forth. And I just can't wait to listen. You're selling me on this. Thank you. I'm going to miss you in this time slot. I know Amber and Ian are going to hold it down now 7 to 10. So another hour of that. But I'm excited to see you and Carlin go at it, and I'm excited to see if he's going to try to one-up you on the dressing game.
1: Actually, going I be doubt it, Car- actually. No, it, it's, it's, they, they don't make suits to fit physiques like that. It's a, it's a whole thing. Uh, Carlin versus Joe, not Carlin versus Fortinball. It was okay. made very clear to me that my last name is not palatable for the radio-consuming public, so they wanted to go with the first name. I okay. said, that's fine. That's fine. Take that up with the uh, lineage. But neither here nor there. The big news, college football is back. Get to a TV, turn on ESPN, Florida versus Utah. This game was fantastic last year to kick off the season in Gainesville. They are now in Salt Lake City for this year's iteration of it. Utah was as high as a 10-point favorite. A lot of people like him to win the Pac-12. Problem. Quarterback Cam Rising, who was the trigger man, Of the 15th highest scoring offense last season, he is out for this game. He tore his knee up in the Rose Bowl last January against Penn State. He didn't get cleared to play. So the Utah Utes are going to go with Bryson Barnes at quarterback, making his first career start. Meanwhile, here comes Billy Napier's Florida Gators. No Anthony Richardson at quarterback. It's Graham Mertz, the former Wisconsin Badger, who's completing 59% of his career collegiate attempts. This game should be a good one. It's down to Utah as a five-point favorite is where we're going to close totals low 44 and a half so we're not exactly expecting fireworks in this game courtney cronin college football season's here i haven't had a chance to talk any college football with you at all in the build-up to this because we haven't worked a lot what's on your mind The, the table's open you can break down this game we can talk about the fact that for the first time in like nine years alabama or clemson not the favorite to win the national championship that's georgia we got a lot on our plate
2: There's a ton, and in all of that, all of the quarterback changes from Penn State to Ohio State to Alabama, who we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Nick Saban, first time in, I believe, 17 seasons, he hasn't put out a Week 1 depth chart, so that's interesting. And then, of course, Georgia trying to three-peat. There is so much there with so much change and all of that. And I have to ask myself, because we have this conversation often when it comes to Georgia and then Alabama, and people trying to pass the baton prematurely to Kirby Smart. He may be running college football right now, but that doesn't mean that Nick Saban is about to be put off to pasture, that he is on the hot seat, which is the most ridiculous conversation that has (laughs) circulated throughout this season. And the fact that we don't put Alabama who just had a top recruiting class yet again into the conversation for the national title it's just bizarre to me that we have already written their path and said, no, Alabama's done. The 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 path now is Georgia's and Georgia's only. There's a lot of parity in college football between those two programs and outside of it, USC, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State. There's a lot more teams than I think most people realize. The casual college football fan that wants to go all in on the SEC Take a look elsewhere because there's other teams that are going to contend for a national title this year that are going to be in the CFP conversation. Alabama, very much at the top of that list.
1: All right, so let's talk Alabama. Kirk Herbstreet, college football analyst, ESPN, had this to say with his thoughts on the future for the Alabama Crimson Tide.
2: I'm picking Alabama to get to the playoff and ultimately
1: win the national championship. I think if you look at the history of Alabama, it's kind of like when the Patriots had Tom Brady. They they might not win the Super Bowl whichever year they didn't win it. Get ready that next year, and, and it, it feels a lot like what Nick Saban's done in Alabama. Whether they make the playoff or they come up short, whatever happens that year, go back and look at the history of the following year. What happens yeah. when there's a motivated Alabama team? Be very leery of Alabama and the chip on the shoulder that they're going to play with this year. I disagree with Herbie respectfully, of course. I want to make that very clear. The one thing I can't get over with Bama is this. They lost two games during the regular season last year. They lost the number one overall pick in the draft in Bryce Young. They lost the best defensive player in the draft in Will Anderson. I get it that they don't rebuild, they reload. But help me out. You lose those two guys after a season in which you lost two games, and you're going to be better this year? Maybe, maybe, but let's remember, almost lost the Texas game, almost lost the A&M game, almost lost the Ole Miss game. They could have been an eight-win team last year, and if they were, we might be viewing them differently this season. The schedule sets up nice. The LSU game is at home. No Georgia on the schedule. They will host Texas. The A&M game's on the road. Saturday night, Kyle Field, that place is going to be a madhouse. But I don't know. I don't see it for Bama. Competitive, yes. I just don't see them as the national championship team this year.
2: And that's because Georgia has shown you no signs of falling off year after year. They're a team now that continues to reload instead of rebuild. They lost 25 players over the last two seasons to the NFL. And yet top of the ranks among defense, top offense in the, in college football last year among like top 10. I don't know exactly where they finished, but they have been top of the top year in and year out. And When you lose coordinators because you have successful teams and those coordinators go on to get head coaching positions or, in the case of Todd Munkin, go back to the NFL, Kirby Smart promotes from within. He gets guys in his program that went through his route that he went through at Alabama learning under Nick Saban how to do this on a year-in and year-out basis, and I don't think that that's going to be an issue for them. So, again, you mentioned the word freight train. That's the perfect way to describe this Georgia team, but I also think that it's weird to put Alabama in the sleeping giant category because they've already been there, but because so many people have written them off, it's fair to wake people up and say, hey, that team in Tuscaloosa is still pretty damn good and very much going to be in the CFP conversation this year.
1: Uh, wow. If you're not watching what's happening in Salt Lake City, the Gators got the ball first, went three and out, punted Utah. First play of the game. For some reason, Florida, no thought process that a team in college football would consider throwing a Hail Mary bomb to open the game. That's what teams love to do to start their season. Bryson Barnes, 70-yard touchdown pass to open the game. Utah looking to convert the point after to make it 7 nothing, 13-10, remaining in the first quarter. What is, my God, Florida. Like the offensive possession to start the game was bad enough. They got the third and one, and they immediately took an offsides penalty. But for the defense to come out and get roasted like that on the opening play of the game, completely clueless that a team might be willing to take a deep shot to open the game. Safety caught in no man's land, not paying attention. I probably shouldn't be this angry. I have the under, full disclosure. I bet low scoring game here. I do not want to see this. Hell of a play regardless. All right. It's going to be a long season. Woo woo All All right. I got a conversation for you. Which relationship is worse right now? Because there are two in the NFL that are teetering. Chris Jones and the Chiefs or Nick Bosa and the Niners? Two Super Bowl contenders with problems entering the season. We're going to talk about that next. She's Courtney Cronin. She's doing a fantastic job. I'm Joe Fornball. I'm just here because I'm contractually obligated. This is ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast.
0: No communication, so I don't I don't know what's gonna go
1: there, but whatever happens, happens. I mean, if I'm not there, the game goes on, right? So that's how it works. If yeah. you take Chris Jones off of that defense, they are mediocre at best. Alongside Courtney Cronin, my name is Joe Fortenwall. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. You just heard Chris Canty, a snippet of Chris Canty referring to the situation in Kansas City. Chris Jones stud defensive lineman 15 and a half sacks last year for a defense that ranked number two in the NFL in sacks he wants a new deal he's entering the final year of his current contract says he's not going to play says he has no problem holding out the Lions are coming to town one week from today and if Kansas City doesn't have Chris Jones the defense naturally will take a hit let's start with this here is Chris Canty elaborating on the Chris Jones situation Chris Jones is dug in. Chris Jones knows the Kansas City Chiefs can't forgive the fines. He's racked up $2 million in fines during training camp in the preseason. And you're considering if he holds out till week eight, like he says he would on social media, another $7.5 million in missed game checks. That guy is serious about getting his money. And he's not going to show up until the Kansas City Chiefs make it right. So if I was a Chiefs fan today, I'd be a lot more nervous about an extended holdout with Chris Jones than I would be if I was a Niners fan and Nicky Bosa. Now that's canty elaborating, and that's the key part there on Nick Bosa because Nick Bosa, reigning defensive player of the year, he's in the fifth year of his rookie contract, right? Four years, the Niners pick up the option, fifth year option. He wants a new deal, 18 and a half sacks last season. He's holding out as well. So the topic of conversation, which situation is more dire? Jones with Kansas City or Bosa with the San Francisco 49ers. Canty says it's Jones and the Chiefs. What say you, Courtney Cronin?
2: I agree with that because he is somebody who anchored a Super Bowl defense not once but twice. And this is a team that if you take Chris Jones out of the mix, no one comes close to his production. And that goes all sides of the like all sides of the defense from like the front all the way to the secondary so nobody else besides Chris Jones had more than 50 quarterback pressures last season he had 77 he had 7 and he had 15 and a half sacks nobody else had more than 7 you lose the anchor of your defense a very young defense which i don't know how we got here because the age of this defense and all of these rookie contracts that guys are on, this should have been a no-brainer. It shouldn't, there should be no holdup in getting this deal done, and yet you're toying with the idea, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, of not having him there to stop Jameer Gibbs from going off on you week one when they come to your place and you do the ring ceremony, all those things. Detroit's a really good team. They are constructed really well. They've got weapons on the outside, and they've got a running game that can gash you all sorts of directions. I would worry if I am Brett Veach, if I'm Andy Reid, about trying to get something done this weekend so you can have him there for week one prep. And I know it's going to be a truncated week. They've already been going full steam ahead in preparation for the Detroit Lions. But Chris Jones hasn't been there you've got to get him back in the building ASAP because this will affect your Super Bowl chances. I know everyone's like, oh, they have Patrick Mahomes. It's not just one player who gets somebody to a Super Bowl. A quarterback can elevate a team the way that he has shown he can do time and time again. But if you don't have the quarterback of your defense in Chris Jones, it's going to make for a hell of a long season. First six games be damned. I know they are not tested until they have the Chargers in Week 7, but remember... Got to go week seven to week eighteen. That's a lot of games there, and if Chris Jones isn't there, it makes their job so much more difficult.
1: See, I go the other way on this one, and you mentioned the key reason why I'm going to go the other way. If you lose Chris Jones, yes, that is a great, de- that is a, a slightly above average chief defense that's going to take a pretty big hit. You lose Nick Bosa in San Francisco, you're still a pretty good defense, right? But it's Brock Purdy at quarterback. Like, if I've got 15 with Patrick Mahomes, I think I'm always going to be in it. I'm always going to be in it. As long as I have Mahomes, I'm in it. That doesn't mean I'm the best team in the NFL. But if you've got Mahomes and you don't have Chris Jones, you can get into a shootout. You can try to beat a team 41-40. If you don't have Nick Bosa anchoring that defense, the next highest sack total after Bosa's 18 and a half last year in San Francisco, Samson Ekubon had five sacks. That's the next highest total. You don't have Bosa and that defense takes a hit. What do you have on offense? You have Brock Purdy. Now I know you have Kyle Shanahan, you have plenty of weapons, but if Purdy turns out to be the last pick in the NFL draft and last year was a fluke, see ya. Because the Niners are built on defense and running the football. That's how they control control tempo. That's how they dictate pace. That's how they force the opposition to play their style of game. That's what works for them. I feel like if you don't get Nick Bosa signed that's going to be a bigger problem for the Niners because they actually have the easier schedule. They have the easier conference. They got one team in the division that's a threat at most, and that's Seattle. This is a team that's been on the cusp of winning a Super Bowl. The Chiefs have achieved everything. They're on the cusp, and if you don't have him signed, and I'll tell you what, I wouldn't call – I wouldn't call Nick Bosa's bluff. That family has made it very clear. They understand how to put themselves first in business. Joey Bosa had the big holdout with the Chargers when he was drafted. He was like the last pick signed. And Nick Bosa sat out that whole final year, or at least most of it at Ohio State, because he knew he didn't want to take the massive risk that was going to end up hurting him if he got hurt again with the NFL draft, because he was dealing with like that core injury. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was willing to sit out at all.
2: He might not be, but that doesn't mean that the other players that they have up on that defensive line – remember, they spent a lot of money to get Javon Hargrave there to help their interior pass rush. Eric Armstead was hurt last year. He had a hairline fracture in his ankle. He's healthy now, so you have two pieces on the interior. And, yeah, the production didn't come anywhere else, but you have health on your side and you have an upgraded defensive line whether he's there or whether he's not. Now, I'm not saying Nick Bosa, who was the defensive player of the year, would not be a massive loss. I'm looking at Kansas City's roster, and I'm looking at Chris Jones out of the equation, and I'm saying, George Karloftis? That's what I'm hedging like the success of this defense on and being able to continue pressuring opposing quarterbacks? Remember, they play in the AFC. They will see a lot of very good quarterbacks, particularly starting in Week 7 when they've got that guy in Los Angeles who just got a massive contract extension in Justin Herbert. This is going to be a nightmare if he's not there. He's on the right side of 30. He's entering the final year of what has become an antiquated contract. Give him his deal and move on. It should never have gotten to this point where we're four, you know, seven days out from the season starting wondering, huh, is Chris Jones going to show up? Pay the man.
1: Quickly, who do you think gets paid first? Chris Jones. Chris Jones? Ooh, the Niners. Why would you want to mess around? All right, Joe Montana, one of the greats of all time. Who does he think is the greatest quarterback of all time? We'll find out next. She's Courtney Cronin. I'm Joe Fortinball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio.
2: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hyperrice. Welcome back. She's Courtney Cronin. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Football is in full swing. Nebraska is playing Minnesota. They're tied at zero. It looks the way it sounds. I'm going to leave it at that. Florida driving, as you heard from Kevin Winter, against Utah, second and 18. They just picked up a little bit there. They trailed the Utes 7-0 in Salt Lake City just under four minutes to go in the first quarter. This is the moment of the show where we like to play a little big deal, not a big deal.
0: It's making headlines.
1: Extra, extra, read all about it. But is it a big deal or not a big deal with Joe and Amber? Wouldn't be a big deal, not a big deal without producer extraordinaire
0: James Steele. James, get on in here and host this thing. All right, let's let's uh, let's start with the Patriots here. On Tuesday, they waived Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham, uh, ended up signing them to their practice squad uh, a day later. And today they claimed Matt Corral, uh former Carolina Panther quarterback, to be the backup to Mac Jones. Joe, big deal, not a big deal.
1: I'm going to say big deal because the entire way this unfolded is rather fascinating. In order for Carolina to get Matt Corral, they traded up in the draft. Who did they trade with? The New England Patriots. So they sent the Patriots picks so they could move up and draft Corral. Then they cut Corral. Then the Patriots signed him. So the Patriots walked away with everything, Courtney. That's a big deal to me.
2: It is. And they have four quarterbacks in this In the entire room, which is crazy because there's two on the active roster with Mac Jones and then Mac Corral and then Malik Cunningham and Bailey Zappi on the practice squad. Bill Belichick wants options. And if Mac Jones isn't going to be his guy, if he doesn't pan out the way that Bill Belichick and the Patriots expect in year three, they're going to have other options, but not just like moving on to year four. They're going to have options that go into the game this season, the way that we saw that pseudo quarterback competition, or rather, pseudo-quarterback, I guess, QB split, if you want to call it that, when Mac Jones was dealing with the ankle sprain last year. Don't be surprised if he struggles, if we see Bill Belichick make some roster construction uh, midway through the season to change the depth chart. I
1: was a big fan of Corral's little miss. I hope it works out for him.
0: All right, um, NFL great, Hall of Famer. Joe Montana was on ESPN Radio earlier today with Harry Douglas and Randy Scott, and they asked him... Who he thought was the greatest quarterback of all time, and here's what he said:
1: Go back and watch what Dan did. Um, you know when it was the rules had hadn't changed. It's not a little bit easier to do things today as a quarterback. Um, Danny had some great wide receivers, but you know not very big, not very, uh, but fast, mm. and the accuracy that he throws with, the numbers that he threw up, and unfortunately for him. You know, he didn't have great defenses behind him. We had one of the best defenses. I, Ronnie Lott thinks it's the best team uh, in defense that we had and put on the field and the best team we had. And the game is a crazy game, but just he's one of those guys that I actually got up off the bench to watch play when he, when we would play against him. And, mm-hmm. um, but the things he was able to accomplish, the, how many touchdowns and that he threw forward, the quickness of his release, the accuracy, I just don't think he ever got his
0: due. So uh, Joe Montana, a guy who some people consider the greatest of all time or, or did at some point before Tom Brady came onto the scene, says Dan Marino, he thinks Dan Marino is the greatest quarterback of all time. Is that a big deal or not a big deal? Courtney?
2: I think it's a big deal. The guy has no Super Bowl ring. And that's typically how we have the GOAT conversation. How many rings do you have? And it doesn't just matter about foot. It's not just a football conversation. That's one that we have in the NBA and other sports, too. I know he's not going to say himself. Like, that just doesn't seem like his personality. He does have four Super Bowls. Tom Brady has seven. I... I don't know if there's a little bias in all of this just because of who Montana played for Um, but this is a little strange to me this is a big deal that he's willing to go out on a limb and not put somebody who is the most accomplished quarterback even more than himself into that mix of goat
1: big deal Big deal for me because I think Dan Marino is the most underappreciated player in NFL history. Marino was awesome, but because he doesn't have a Super Bowl, he is completely lost in the shuffle when we have conversations about great quarterbacks. And I get it. The championships matter. I'm not trying to make the case that he's the greatest of all time. That belongs to Brady. But the reality is you can only control so much of it. And he put up ridiculous numbers. I want to share something with you in 1984. Dan Marino was in his second year in the NFL. He threw for 5,084 yards and 48 touchdowns. 5,084 yards and 48 touchdowns in 1984, his second year in the league. All right. Patrick Mahomes' second year in the league, just like Marino, was his most prolific year from a statistical standpoint. Marino's second year, 5,084 yards. Mahomes' second year, 5,097 yards. He threw for 13 more yards than Marino. He threw 50 touchdowns, two more than Marino. It was 34 years later when the rules in the game have completely changed. The greatest Patrick Mahomes season statistically is basically the same thing that Dan Marino did in his second season. Yet we never talk about Marino amongst the greats. Also, fun fact about Dan Marino, does anyone know what his middle name is?
2: Is it an initial, like a letter? No,
1: It's an actual name. Constantine.
2: Daniel How about that? Constantine Marino. It rolls right that? off the tongue.
1: How many people knew that? Not many. You're welcome. Except for you. That's what we do on this show. Hey, you
2: I actually it correctly, didn't, too.
1: I didn't know it. I was just on his pro football reference page, and right at the top, I saw it, and I was just like, oh. I like looking at the middle names. Some of them are very interesting to me. Some
2: of them I don't think are true, and same with the nicknames that they have for players, because I've asked players about their pro football reference page, being like, do they really call you the big dog. I've never heard that in my life.
0: Is is pro football reference like Wikipedia? Anyone can just...
2: I'm not sure how they get some of the information, at least in terms of the names. It is cool to see people's middle names. I just... Some of them, I'm just telling you, some of them are not entirely accurate, especially the nicknames.
1: One of the greatest radio experiences I had in my life when was when I was working with Lorenzo Neal, the former NFL fullback in San Francisco. it was a three-man show. Dan Dibley was on it as well. And we were looking at Lowe's Wikipedia page on air, and then we started making jokes about things, and we had the listeners access the page and start making changes. <laughs> We basically for an hour just kept hitting refresh and updating everyone on the changes that were being made. It was so ridiculous. The, the PD wanted it shut down immediately. Wikipedia locked this page because it became. so... I didn't even know that could happen. That that was uh, <laughs> thousands of people storming a Wikipedia page, changing everything. What was Hilarious. the best
2: thing that they came up with?
1: They were the thing. Is there? It's a lot of inside jokes. There was a joke that the way Lowe's head looked. Uh, this is going to sound so awful. I,
2: rem- I remember Joe Lo and Dibs from my yeah. 17 months in the Bay Area. <laughs> okay, so his hair's his head is a giant circle.
1: He has a huge head, and the way the forehead is lined up, it looked. Someone made a joke once that his his head looked like a grilled cheese. So we used to call him the Big Grilled Cheese, and people went in the Wikipedia, and there were just grilled cheese references everywhere. <laughs> I love you low I love you dibs if you're listening to this in any way shape or form this is not meant as mockery you both know how fun that day was Wikipedia locked the page
0: that's impressive uh, alright so uh
1: so
2: stupid
0: Vikings Vikings offensive tackle Christian Derisaw did I, did I say that right?
2: you did yeah Oh, That's correct.
0: Nailed it. Was uh, speaking to reporters after practice today, and he was interrupted by Kirk Cousins. mid answer: You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to listen to this. Uh, pay co- close attention to this. But here's what happened. I'm trying to keep my head out of certain blocks and things like that to keep it, so I won't get a concussion, uh, stuff like that. Yeah.
1: yeah. Which, Which you to right to
0: Yeah, I'll be there, Kirk. Oh. <laughs> so. It's hard to hear, but but in the middle of his answer, Kirk Cousins came over and asked Christian Darasau if he was coming to Chili's tonight. So, Joe, (laughs) big deal, not a big deal, that Kirk Cousins is apparently a Chili's guy.
1: It's not a big deal. It's so on brand for him. I mean, if you watch the show on Netflix, "Quarterback," that series, the whole part of, in the first episode when you're getting to know Cousins, the mocking of his of his outfits, how he basically dresses like a dad. If he dresses like a dad and he eats at Chili's, it's very on brand for Cousins. I would love to know what he orders there. Like, what's he doing there? I, I would have figured him as an Outback Steakhouse, Bloom and Onion kind of guy, but apparently, he's a Chili's guy, Courtney.
2: He's a very frugal individual for as much money as he's made throughout his career. This, I mean, do, are they, is that Applebee's who has like the two-for-20 deal, or does Chili's have some iteration of it? Because I think Cousins is going there for that. Quick story to kind of show you that Kirk loves a chain, not just the ones that he was wearing from his teammates on the airplane ride home, I believe, from the Buffalo game last year. But in 2018, when he was a free agent and I was covering the Vikings, That was a time where March, free agency, you're going to stake out wherever these free agents are at dinner with the team. And most free agents came to town and went to this famous steakhouse called Manny's. It's iconic. They brought a lot of free agents there in the past. We're all there. We get word that there's all these rumors going around. Kirk's a vegan. Kirk only eats fish. All this stuff. So we finally find out where he's at. The Capitol Grill, which is a nice restaurant. Yeah. But a chain steakhouse when you could have had the best steak in Minneapolis. This guy ends up at the Capitol (laughs) Grill.
0: Kirk Cousins is definitely a triple dipper guy at Chili's.
2: What's a triple dipper? It's
0: the appetizer sampler. You get like three appetizers in one. Economical. What are the three? What are the
1: three apps? Oh, you 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 get get the the potato skins in there. You get to
0: pick. Oh, you you get get to pick pick three out of whatever the apps are. Kirk's definitely the guy bringing
2: home a doggy bag too.
0: Absolutely.
2: Load up the leftovers. We're being frugal tonight.
1: I worked at Chili's as a busboy when I was at Penn State. Wednesday nights were the worst because Wednesdays were Margarita Madness. So that's where a lot of the of age kids would come drink to get the night started. And none of them are tipping at all. So they're just trashing the place with the free chips and salsa and the margaritas. And then you watch them all leave. And it's like, all right, well, I'm not going to be joining any of these people. And I have to clean this mess up. So is life. So is life. It builds character. All right. A lot going on in college football tonight. Florida, Utah, we got the updates there. Nebraska, Minnesota, we got the updates there. Pretty cool story about Ken Griffey Jr., all that's coming up next. She's Courtney Cronin. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio.
0: Joe and Amber, the podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft
1: Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. She's Courtney Cronin. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Thank you for hanging out with us tonight. College football in full swing. Florida driving inside the 20-yard, right around the 20. They just picked up a delay of game penalty, classic. Trailing 7-3 to the Utes. The other big game of the night, Minnesota hosting Nebraska, New Look Nebraska under head coach Matt Rule, formerly of the Carolina Panthers, Baylor Bears, and Temple Owls. It is 3-0 Minnesota. Absolute grind in that game. Uh, We're going to get to a few things. First, real quick moment. Last night for me on Joe and Amber, off tomorrow. Courtney will be holding it down with my guy Tyler Foljam. Going to be hosting... Carlin versus Joe starting September 5th, next Tuesday, the ESPN radio lineup, the new lineup completely launches. We're 12 to three. There'll be more of that in the future. This is just an opportunity to say thank you to everyone affiliated with this show, as well as all the listeners. It has been an awesome eight months. I wouldn't trade it for anything. A lot of fun. And more importantly than anything, very low stress. I am a very high strung guy. I make no bones about that. I am I am the, everyone wants to believe they're laid back. I, I am not laid back at all. It, it, this, I wish I was, I'm not. And everything brings me stress. This show does not. So everyone I've, I've worked with Courtney, the people who fill in they are nice enough to step in. James, obviously we've spoken. You do a tremendous job behind the scenes, all the PAs, everyone that has been affiliated with the show. Thank you to all the listeners. Thank you. It has been an awesome experience. I'll shut up for a minute. You're working with Tyler tomorrow. Best of luck to you on that one. It's our
2: first time doing a show together since the AFC Championship game, Bill's Chiefs, so we have a lot to catch up on. It'll be really fun. But thank you for having me part of this. This was an awesome couple days. I'm I'm honored. You and I have shared some moments here on ESPN Radio that goes down (laughs) in history uh, of things that only you and I will probably care about one day down the line. But – We've had inebriated people on with us celebrating yes. their team's national championship birth. We have had um, we've hosted shows that are no longer in existence here at ESPN radio and we will miss you in this time slot. I hope that you and I get to work together again. Oh for sure. you get to keep my guy Carlin in line. I'm excited that it's not Carlin and Joe, but it's Carlin versus Joe and I yes. expect there to be some of the whoever's creating the production for that. The intro, the ding-ding, like, you know, the boxing gloves. I That's like what that. I'm looking forward to. So
1: I like that. You, you lay it out like that. We have done some wild shows together. The New Year's Eve one after the Clemson-Ohio State game with the drunk guest. Guest was awesome, regardless if anyone tracks that down. Uh, we did host a show this summer together that we only found out later that was the last ever installment of that show, and you and I were hosting it. <laughs>
2: we We've found had some out like right after. times on radio we really <laughs> have from weekends to tonight and everything in between um thank you for having me part of it no this has been yeah. awesome you and amber were a great mix though i will it say very i easy. loved i loved it, it felt easy it felt easy to a listener to be able to hear your perspective on things and she's spicy so she's willing to dish it out she'll take it but she'll give it right back to you and i thought that was a perfect mix and i am excited for both of you on these new ventures
1: we were and thank you you for saying that that's very kind of you we were very fortunate when we took over this spot in january the previous show wasn't very caller driven nothing wrong with that they just preferred to go against they preferred to just focus more on the conversations focus more on the guests things of that nature everybody does shows differently we had decided we wanted to get the callers a little bit more involved amber was very big with that especially with caller roulette in the final segments and we were worried it was going to take some time to build that back up because people obviously get conditioned that if it's a show that's not going to take calls, why call? And James, what was it? We started getting calls right away. As soon as we put out the call for it, pun intended, we started getting a ton of calls. Like we had some great list. Terrence and George, I'm sure you're listening right now. Love you, buddy. Like this has been, you know, we got some great calls.
0: Yeah, we it it, it turned we turned things around pretty quickly in that and it was pretty cool.
1: Dynamite drop in right there. Uh, yeah,
0: I don't. I, I didn't expect <laughs> I could to. I can tell you, uh, you were finishing. Uh, yeah, like, I I got nothing. Else. I got. I got nothing. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a terrible setup. i for calling. Thanks for calling. Yeah.
1: What, um, Courtney? What's this Ken Griffey Jr. story you were teasing me on? Because I don't. I, I didn't hear it, and I'm always. I've been a fan of Jr. since forever.
2: So I found this story on the Athletic earlier about how he was working an inter Miami game against Nashville SC as a photographer, a credentialed photographer. Oh, really? Come to find out. Remember when Kevin Durant was doing this when you and I were both in the Bay Area when he first got out there and, like, the 49ers were like, here's a field pass. Go ahead and shoot this game. I don't know if he knew exactly what he was doing with the telephoto lens, but, you know, (laughs) there's Kevin Durant sitting on the grass behind the end zone shooting a 49ers game. Ken Griffey Jr., though, takes this seriously. Since he retired from baseball, according to this article – He's been training as a photographer. I mean, it's something that he does in his spare time. He shoots his kids' games. But he's done Monday Night Football, a lot of MLB games, the Home Run Derby in Seattle. He did an IndyCar event for ESPN in 2016. And there's this awesome photo of him with a signature backwards hat yep. wearing the photo vest in this massive telephoto lens. So I'd love to see what his work is. It's cool when you find a different hobby after years of an illustrious baseball career. So I just thought it was neat. It's a neat hobby. Maybe I will take up photography.
1: They get great access. Like, if you're a photographer, you don't realize it, but they are right down there on the field. And if you're in the end zone, obviously, it's going to be very difficult to see what's happening on the other end. But when the action is in your end zone, that is a great spot to be. I mean, if you look at an event like... um. Like the Super Bowl, for example, those dudes are everywhere down there. You've covered Super Bowls before, haven't you?
2: Uh, Yeah, I covered the one in Minnesota. Photographers everywhere. It was cold. That was the coldest one, I want to say, on record. I don't (laughs) know if they will get another. I mean, the stadium, of course, is gorgeous, and every time a team builds a stadium, they get one. So eventually, when the Chicago Bears go somewhere other than Soldier Field, they will get one here. Cold-weather cities, though, not doesn't hit the same way as an Arizona or a New Orleans Super Bowl or even Los Angeles.
1: Every single event, every single championship event should be held in New Orleans. I'm a firm
2: believer in that. Way to end the show on a high note for us going out on the same page. New Orleans is the best convention city. It is the best sports city for all big events.
1: I am here in Las Vegas. I would say now that there's football stadiums and things of that nature, if you want to bring the final four and that stuff here, I'm sure people could find a way to have fun here. But if you want to hold every single championship ever in New Orleans, I would not complain about it. That city is built... For championships, mostly built for the fun that comes with it. Alright, that's a wrap. Thank you all for listening. You guys are the best. This has been the Joe and Amber Podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live, weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Death was the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun.
0: My master asks, what do you seek
1: here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion and power.
0: Let it come.
1: FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu.